Hi, Father Ian Van Heusen here. Uh, this is the Art of Living Well podcast, where I just take an opportunity to kind of go a little bit deeper into the content that I cover on my website um, in this audio format, which helps me to flesh things out and to kind of establish my thoughts. And to be honest with you, these days I am loving the audio format. Uh, the reason why is with my parish responsibilities and with the ECU Newman responsibilities, I just don't have the time to write out replies to people and to um, engage in conversations written because I love writing. I've done it for most of my life, but it's sometimes a little bit harder to articulate things in writing. This audio format is a little bit more forgiving, so I can talk a little more extemporaneously and kind of just kind of express myself and then kind of see what questions arise as I'm kind of talking about subjects. So one of the things I want to get into is, um, so there's a lot of stuff out there right now, uh, critics of mindfulness, um, you know, critical critics of particularly Dr. Bataro's work and um, implicit sometimes is often my work. Um, I'm not always sure if the critics have me particularly in mind, but my sense is they do based on some other emails and some things that have kind of gone back and forth uh, behind the scenes. Um, so I just kind of wanted to take an opportunity just to kind of address some of that and to talk about it and to have that conversation. So um, also somebody recently re- um, emailed me and had some concerns and I was like, you know, I'm going to respond to that person um, in this audio format and kind of share it with everybody, not mentioning the person by name, but just kind of get into it. So my first uh, critique of the critics of mindfulness, those who say mindfulness is problematic you know, one of the big challenges, recent works, recent books, recent videos, is they don't, um, most of the critics of mindfulness don't have a theological narrative which helps explain why mindfulness is bad. Their basic argument is that mindfulness is Buddhism, that if you practice mindfulness, you're practicing Buddhism, and you're not going to be Christian. The problem is this is a, a very simplistic approach to the relationship between Christianity and other religions. Um, the, the Christianity has always kind of existed in a kind of creative dialogue with, with the cultures that surround it. So, in fact, many of the arguments being made against mindfulness are similar to the arguments made against St. Thomas Aquinas and his discussion with Aristotle and his integration of Aristotle into Catholic theology. And it's also many of the criticisms that Protestants have of Catholicism is that we are too open to other ideas, that we're too much in dialogue with pagan and non-Christian sources. So what the Protestants often argue with with St. Thomas Aquinas and with Catholic philosophy and much of the Catholic thought is that we should just stick purely to Scripture because it's sure, it's safe, that we should never branch out, we should never enter into that dialogue. I think that's sometimes missed some of the critics, um, not the critics, but some of the people who are following this discussion is they're not aware of how Catholic theology develops. Because, to be honest with you, this isn't the first time that Catholicism has entered into dialogue with non-Christian sources. Now, of course, St. Thomas Aquinas is the gold standard um, for that dialogue. For him, it's not a matter of discovering something new, but it's rather it's we, we learn to see our faith in a deeper way when we bring in these other sources, when we enter into conversation. And I believe I've been true to the pattern set by St. Thomas Aquinas in my own work, which is the fullness of truth is within the Catholic Church, within her visible structures, within her teaching, and within the science of the saints. But when we enter into conversation with things such as secular psychology and mindfulness, we see the fullness of truth a little bit clearer. 
And that's what I've hoped to bring out when I talk about St. Thomas Aquinas and his relationship to mindfulness, St. Ignatius, discernment, mindfulness, is the fullness of truth is brought into greater clarity through that conversation with mindfulness. And I think Dr. Pataro's work helps to bring out a different element of the Catholic faith, which is beneficial. Now, I think Dr. Pataro would have a slightly different take on things. He's a psychologist by training. By training, I'm a, a priest, so we have different perspectives. So let's kind of get into a few critiques of the critiques. So there's that, that, that sense of that creative dialogue, which is a hallmark of Catholicism um, that, that we've always had. So, in fact, there's other examples like Justin Martyr, uh, things like that, where he would dialogue with the pagan philosophers of his time. And by the way, this was, you know, some of the, the criticisms of the Desert Fathers and Eastern monasticism is that it's overly influenced by Stoic philosophy, which I think is, is wrong. I mean, I think in every age, the, the, the authentic Catholic Christian Orthodox faith is true to Jesus Christ. We're not simply adopting pagan practices. But that creative dialogue is the hallmark of Catholic and Orthodox thought. Some other problems, though. So that's, that's, one, that's one little critique challenge. Uh, another challenge is often some of these critiques don't account for the relationship between grace and nature. And, and this is actually Chelsea, a concern I have with many Catholics who, you know, in this time in which the Catholic faith and, and Orthodoxy and true belief is under attack in many ways. Um, I would say that there's much to indicate that we're still in the throes of that what they call the modernist heresy, where even many religious and many priests um, really adopt this modernist heresy. They, they're not reading the, the Catholic Church within, from the place of fullness, of, of from the place of really understanding the science of the saints and the riches that are within the Catholic faith. I think sometimes people see me and Dr. Bataro as just another modernist, which I think is mistaken. But the problem is we have to get back to the sources. And the grace and nature question is one of the important questions that undergirds this. So what some of the critics imply in their understanding of grace and nature is that grace, in a certain sense, is completely distinct from nature. That natural virtue, natural peace... Um, they'll sometimes talk about therapeutic peace, stands in contradiction to grace, to a peace that comes through Jesus Christ. And this is more, I mean, I think we need to flesh it out a little bit. Um, if I wrote a book about it or something, which I'm not going to do anytime soon, I would say it's perhaps, from my understanding, a little bit more of a Protestant view. So grace kind of surpasses nature, but it's like nature is left behind. So why is this important? So for me, in my understanding of Buddhism, my understanding of mindfulness, is that there is such a thing in my mind as a natural meditation that's a natural good. So grace, supernatural grace, that relationship with Jesus Christ doesn't destroy nature, but it fulfills it. So when I see Buddhism, I see Hinduism, I see many things that are naturally good, natural religion. That's, that's a concept that comes out of St. Thomas Aquinas. And, and I think it's consistent with Vatican II um, that you see in the documents that deal with Hinduism and Buddhism, and they praise those things which are good, true, and beautiful. So when I look at them, I don't see a total depravity, which that's a very Protestant notion that if you're not Christian, um, particularly if you're not Protestant sometimes, but if you're not Christian, you don't believe in Jesus Christ, then you're totally depraved. That, that's not a Catholic perspective. We would say that there's a such thing as noble pagans, as 
good virtue found outside, natural virtue found in the pagan religions. And this would be Aristotle, Plato, the Stoics, um, Neoplatonism, and in our modern context, I would say a bit of Hinduism and Buddhism. There's natural virtue. Now, but there's also a word of caution. So within Catholic thought, natural goods can be abused. And this accounts for some of the problems that we come across with mindfulness, that we come across with other parts of the New Age thinking, where they adopt decent practices, but they abuse them because they have a misunderstanding of the human person. They have a misunderstanding of what constitutes the good, the true, and the beautiful. So natural goods can be abused, such as exercise, health. You know, there's some people, you know, everybody agrees that exercising daily is a good thing, but we also know when it's grounded in the ego, a natural good such as exercise can be abused. So I don't doubt that there's many bad examples of how mindfulness can be applied in the secular world. There's no doubt in my mind that there may be cases, there may be dangers to mindfulness, there may be problematic areas that, that, that doesn't surprise me. Because in Catholic thought, evil is ultimately a distortion of a good. So the natural meditation, the natural good of meditation and meditative practices can be abused. That's why we need a Christian response to mindfulness. We need the work of Dr. Gregory Bataro. We need for Catholics to be able to integrate the sound psychology that helps people to overcome thought traps and help in that therapeutic context. We need that within the Catholic faith. We need that relationship with Jesus Christ. So we take all of that's good and leave the rest. That's an image that Pope Benedict XVI used when he was talking about St. Basil, I believe, I, I quoted in my essay on yoga when I'm talking about that, where we, we, we were like a worker bee that takes the, the pollen and leaves the rest of the flower, which I think Dr. Bataro does a great job of. That's why I highly recommend his work. So the other, the other criticism, and this is where I think uh, me and Dr. Bataro have tried as much as possible, uh, me and Dr. Greg, I always forget how he goes, um, we, we've, we've tried to be really patient is I'll be honest with you. Some of the critics of mindfulness have gotten kind of ugly and nasty. Um, they don't really, they're not interested in our work. Um, most of what they present is straw man arguments. It's, um, caricatures of what we're actually saying. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I, I find it very funny to be associated with, with people who I disagree with, um, as a syncretist and, 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 and be honest with you, some of the times it is being directed at me. I've seen some examples of that. And it's kind of like, you know, I, I, when all is said and done, like if somebody came to me and said, father, I, you know, I just want to stick with, um, Ignatian discernment and, and I, and I don't feel called to explore this mindfulness. I'd be sure. Fine. If that calls you the whole reason why I propose the mindfulness is there's many people out there. And I've seen this in my own work that are reached when we enter into these conversations. There's people out there who maybe practice Buddhist meditation, but they're like, well, can I be Christian? Because I, I I liked some things from that, but I feel this call to have this relationship with Jesus Christ. And my, my answer is, come on in. We can teach you Christian contemplative practices, and you'll find a greater fulfillment within the Catholic faith, within the Christian tradition, and, and Orthodox too. If you want to be Orthodox, I'm, I'm fine with that as well. So there, there's there's tons of stuff within the Catholic faith. We're entering into this dialogue with mindfulness. Now, I think with Dr. Bataro, it's slightly different because from him, having studied at a Catholic institution and studying psychology, it's about the therapeutic benefits. And then within his discipline, 
to use a therapeutic technique, it has to be demonstrated as being effective. I have a little bit more freedom, and that's where my creativity comes in, where I've talked about things that would not be strictly found within the work of Dr. Bataro, because he he's he's his profession demands that you use methods that are demonstrated to be effective in therapy. He's a, he does therapy, psychology work, and, and I think I refer people to him. I think it's a great way. So that's the big thing is, is you know, just having this conversation. So l- let me know what you think. Um, this has been, let's see, I've been talking for, it looks like about 10 minutes. But so that's some of my initial responses to mindfulness, uh, the, the criti- critics of mindfulness. And I just want to continue this conversation. You know, I wish the critics would actually be willing to have this conversation. Um, you know, a lot of times they shut us down when we, we've tried to have conversations about it. Um, in some very negative ways. I think it would be fruitful for everybody, a very public conversation, but they're just really not interested at this point. So that being said, you know, consider checking out my work on the subject, Dr. Bataro's work. And this has been uh, the Art of Living Well podcast, Father Ian Van Heusen, getting into the critics of mindfulness. Uh, thanks for listening to this podcast and have a good day. Mm-hmm.